Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. My quick little breakfast and uh, pre-workout meal, and that box has gone very quickly for me for that Built Bar box that came my way. So I'm going to have to go back to BuiltBar.com and get another box. And when you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. Today's yeah, the box they sent us did not last yeah. long either. They're a hit. <laughs> yeah, they're good. And uh, you, feel good about, you feel good about eating them too, which is why it's nice in this uh, quarantine to have something that you don't feel bad going to the pantry and getting one of because um, I've been knocking out quite a bit of my pantry, which is not the, the best thing. Uh, it's funny, like I don't spend any money on gas anymore, but I'm at the gro- the grocery store bill and the <laughs> takeout bill and delivery bill. Yeah, I-, I think have skyrocketed. Yeah, calling up the Postmates, getting a lot of that, and <laughs> yep. yeah, it's fun times, fun times. But uh, yeah, so it's motivation too. You get the build bar, you feel like okay, got my protein in me, got this energy. I'm gonna go outside, go for a run, get a little workout, maybe do some push-ups, whatever it is that your workout routine is. Absolutely. Let's see. It's Twitter, Twitter Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Happy Twitter Thursday, everybody. The schedule is going to be released later today by the NFL, and we will cover that heavily on tomorrow's show. We'll also hit Matt's top 10 defenses. We talked about the offenses yesterday. Uh, before we get to all of these tweets, and there's some good questions here, we've got to cover the latest NFL news, which hit last night, and I was reading about it, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh, Earl Thomas was... Uh, the word incident, it keeps coming up. So it was an incident involving Earl Thomas and his wife. Earl Thomas was held at gunpoint by his wife because Earl was, (laughs) this is where the story gets crazy. So yes, I don't know all the details. Earl, Earl basically, I think he might've gotten, they got in a fight or whatever. And he bailed. He had an Airbnb somewhere where he had a, a, a side girlfriend. He was found by and and I guess he had his uh his Snapchat story and he had his location on. So by the way, guys out there, turn off your location on all of your devices. So his Snapchat location told his wife where he was. She mounted up with a couple of her friends, went to this house where Earl Thomas was there with a girlfriend and his brother, and they were all found in bed together. And it's confusing because I'm trying to figure out if this was, you know. A cover three or a cover four defense, if you know what I mean? What was going on there? Uh, this is just <laughs> right, a crazy right. story. She barges in with her friends. One of her friends is filming it, so there's evidence of it. She's holding his gun a foot away from his head, and where the story gets even scarier from there is that she took out the magazine, so she thought it was empty. Her finger's on the trigger, but there is still one bullet in the chamber that she didn't know about. She pulls that trigger. No safety was on or anything. Earl ends up wrestling the gun away from her. He takes one in the nose during that skirmish, and she ends up getting arrested. And thankfully, everybody is okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess everyone's healthy, and I'm not in the hospital. Alive, and yes. <laughs> okay, might be a stretch. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea. Was it, was it a cover three? Was it a cover four? Uh, was there a little cloud coverage with a corner crack? I mean, like there was a lot of different coverage yeah. that could have been thrown out there in. I'm not sure social distancing was used in abundance in this situation either. And it's not clear. Was that like multiple beds? Um, uh, right. With his own brother in a bed with, I, mean, I don't know. This the, the whole thing is just, 
is, is kind of nuts. Uh, the life of an NFL player. Um, if he's doing this on quarantine, what's going on in road trips? What's that? If he's doing this on quarantine, what's going on in road trips? Right. I mean, do you, <laughs> just to bring it back to football, do you right. think there's any chance that there's a suspension or anything like that? I mean, he, he didn't use the gun, right? I mean, he kind of just no. got busted being. I mean, yeah. You know, kind of a scumball, he was right? a bad, yeah, a bad husband and a scumbag, but not, not anything illegal. illegal, not anything against team rules. Um, the Ravens said they became aware of this situation Wednesday night, and is de- she's in trouble with the law. He is not, apparently, so I assume it's going to be the same thing with the team and the league, but still not yeah. a good look for Earl. No, not a good look. And what's funny to me, what I thought about when we were talking about this the last couple of minutes was, you know, you there's that time period. It's not quite here yet, but it's sort of here where – Idle football players, almost every headline is bad, you know, where GMs and coaches are just keeping their fingers crossed that, ah, we took that bad character guy two years ago in the fourth round, and now he's got a month off and a couple hundred grand in his pocket. Is he going to be good? Yeah. I wonder if there'll be as much of that this year, or is that going to really be cut down too? Are we going to have fewer suspensions? Is there going to be the opposite effect because nobody can leave the house? Are we going to have more? Hopefully not, obviously you know, violence within the household or more drug use or gun use or, you know, they don't get the vent or I'm, I'm curious what the the collective NFL rap sheet will look like between now and opening day. Right. And we had talked about this before where I think and we kind of talked about it with you and I is just guys getting too big. And there's probably some guys that right. have, you know, certain genetics where uh, they're sitting around the house and they're calling in delivery and they're eating and, and maybe, you know, a and potential, you know, substance abusers could be bad for them too. Uh, but but gaining weight and guys coming in out of shape, uh, this is going to be a very interesting season once it does get going early on. We're going to find out which teams had the best, I think, group of people that could self-govern themselves and and get in the best shape and and veterans that were ready to play because it's going to be hard for young players, it's going to be hard for rookies, specifically wide receivers and, and position groups that's even more difficult now uh, than it usually is for some rookies to get in and play early in the NFL. And then, you know, young players just in general, it's going to be more difficult. Those veterans that know the scheme, know the system, some systems that are fully in place probably help those teams. So some some good teams that we saw in the playoffs last year maybe less of a playoff, maybe less of a Super Bowl hangover this year because they're already good and they already have a good system going. Yeah, oh, I 100% agree. And I mentioned, you know, what, what our grocery bills have looked like. I wonder what Damon Harrison's look like. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, what I he's, mean? He's or, called snacks for a reason. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, maybe he's putting on a few pounds without, a, a you know, just using him as a, because he's a large man and he's unemployed at the right. moment. You know, but I also was thinking too, as you were saying that, a lot of times this time of year, too, people are recovering from small surgeries or big surgeries or nursing something. Are they going to be able to get as much treatment as they generally would have? I would assume not. Yeah, yeah they, the treatment involved with some of this stuff. And, and when it came to the draft, we saw a lot of players fall that, that had some injuries and weren't able to get rechecks. I wonder if some teams are going to find some steals and players that do overcome those injuries. And then some other teams drafted players that maybe they they didn't get enough of a background on those injuries and might get burned on some of these picks. Maybe some of those injuries are worse or the player can't recover as quickly as they would have because of the current situation. So, yeah, definitely a lot of questions, and we'll probably get some of those answers once this thing opens back up. Yeah, and you know, two guys I'm on the air with a lot are Tunchyokin and Craig Wolfley. They both played in the early 80s with the Steelers here, and they often tell stories about Chuck Knoll training camp, about 
you know, we weren't really in shape when we got to camp and Chuck whipped, whipped us into shape and we were fine to good to go. Well, that's not how the world works anymore. Like if people show up at a very abbreviated camp, not in shape, they may never get in shape. Right. Yeah. And you brought up Snacks Harrison and it's a funny nickname, but you don't want him. You don't want diabetes Harrison to show up. Right. You want you want him to at least stay Snacks Harrison. You want him to stay in the same um, ballpark that he's already in. So, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Fun stuff. Okay. well, let's uh, well, not so fun for Earl Thomas. Thankfully, everybody's alive, though, with that story. And I'm sure we'll get more details about that. But he did take to his own Instagram before because his agent tipped him off, basically, that TMZ was going to pick up the story in the morning. So he got in front of it and left a message on Instagram. We'll end with this. And he said, basically. He acknowledged the situation that went on with him and his wife, Nina, and he said, I mean, really, it's not anybody's business. It's pissing me off that. Uh, it got out, but it's the world we live in today. Instead of talking about it, just keep us in y'all's prayers. So prayers for yeah. the Thomas fam. Well, I'm glad no one got seriously hurt. Absolutely. Okay, Physically. let's get let's get to uh, Twitter Thursday. Hit some of these tweets. Folks, I want to tell you about the Built Bar. You maybe haven't heard of them yet, but trust me, you're going to hear about them a lot because they're a new sponsor on the Locked On Network. They sent me a box the other day, and the box is gone. My family just crushed it. So they're going to be a popular thing in the Williamson household. I think you need to check them out too. They're, they're tasty. I mean, my kids honestly don't care about the, the wonderful uh, attributes that's it's making their bodies. They just want to eat good stuff. And it, it's a protein bar that really does taste like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors. And the other eight are chocolate and nut free flavors. We know a lot of people have allergies and whatnot. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and trust me, around here, my family, especially my wife, is they're chocolate connoisseurs, and they certainly approve. It's soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight, weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, but it doesn't taste that way, trust me. Um, here's the flavor, flavor profile. Like a peanut butter brownie one has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, only three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. Um, the mint brownie one is 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories, four grams of sugars, five grams of net carbs. So, folks, do this. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, all one word, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. We talked offenses yesterday, Matt, and you ranked your top 10 offenses in the NFL going into the 2020 season. Jay wants to know, how would you re-rank last year's wide receiver class? And we had another uh, receiver question from James. Let's actually start with this, then we'll go to the draft question. James says, okay. what is your top five receiving groups in the NFL? Mm, have to think. Let's start with last year's class, if okay. you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll I, get I have a second history to think in about front it. of me, and I'm, I'm looking at the names. For sure. Um only two first-round picks last year, 25th and 32nd pick overall, Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry, but still a really good class after one year of exposure. To me, I think A.J. Brown stands alone. Like, if I'm doing a draft of receivers after their rookie year, I'm taking Brown, and I'm not sure who number two is. Here are some candidates. I still think you could consider Marquise Brown. I mean, we saw... Henry Ruggs go first overall. I mean, he has a trump card that few do. I think your deep, your boy Debo Samuel absolutely is in the conversation for number two. 
I think Hardman is in the conversation with Brown. I don't think either one of them would win my number two spot, though. Metcalf is almost like those guys, though, except he's 290 pounds or whatever. I mean, he's a giant human being. I know he's not 290. Um, but he's a run real fast downfield guy, but he happens to be huge. So I would take Metcalf over Hardman or Marquise Brown. I know I'm a homer, and I love Deontay Johnson. He can't quite be in this conversation, but trust me, guys, a year from now when we look at the best receivers in 2019, his name will be involved. I think if I had to pick a number two, it would be Terry McLaurin after one year. And as I look at this list, I also just want to throw Darius Slayton out there. And there's three guys we didn't see much from last year that I'm very quietly optimistic about. And that's Hakeem Butler in Arizona, Miles Boykin with the Ravens, and your boy Jalen Hurd with the Niners, who maybe he got a little buried, but man, the reports were super strong on him. Oh, also Paris Campbell, I like a lot. Oh, right. Paris Campbell was last year's gadget guy and yeah. it almost seems like maybe if you're reading the writing on the wall maybe with the way that um india has gone about this offseason maybe there's not huge plans for him that's a, that's an interesting yeah. one but i want to see what what's going on there with him on the field with hurt it's tough because rookie wide receivers don't have a great track record when they miss their or just rookies period when they miss their entire rookie seasons and in february he still his back was still so bad that he wasn't even able to fly with the team to the Super Bowl, and they're hoping he's cleared, or he either has been cleared, or they're hoping he's cleared soon right now. So maybe we'll see what he's able to do. But a unique player with his short area quickness at 6'4", 220 pounds, and his physicality is a running back in the open field, which is you know a Kyle Shanahan special with that sure. ability to run after the catch. So he is an interesting one to see what happens when he does get on the field, and there is some competition in training camp amongst 49ers wide receivers. But uh, to me, I think... DK Metcalf is the is the interesting one when you're re-ranking because he had a pretty high ranking and even people who didn't like him a lot were still surprised he was there at the very end of round two last year and obviously he was worth a first round pick now that we've seen him play one year in Seattle's scheme I was asked earlier this offseason how I would rank the the receivers pre-draft so my pre-draft rankings last year versus my pre-draft rankings this year for the class and shuffling them together. And I like DK a lot. And I would have had DK in the top group with Judy, just right behind Judy and Lamb, and maybe right before Ruggs. Uh, but that would be a cluster of four. And then I liked, I didn't like Hollywood Brown as much. I like Ruggs better. I like DK better. How would you re shuffle those based on your pre draft rankings last year versus this year's class? Oh, wow. Um, I still think I'm taking A.J. Brown over everybody, but I also have the benefit of seeing a year. Then I'm going Judy and Lamb. I'm sitting here looking at this 19 class, you know, thinking about my ranks. McLaurin is my two. Debo versus Metcalf for number three is hard for me. Very different. But those would be my top four. Would I take all those guys ahead of Rugs? I guess, is my question. Probably. But I got to admit, Mims was my number five receiver when the draft rolled around, and he fell quite a bit, much like Metcalf. I would take all these guys ahead of Mims. I also had Rager number five and Jefferson number six, and I would take all those guys I mentioned ahead of them. 
Do you think in the end this year's wide receiver class was a little bit overrated? We kind of talked about this yeah. early on. Now that we've seen where they've been drafted, I think there was some really good first-round caliber players, and it was a pretty deep class. But I think once you started to get out of the top 50, it wasn't quite as deep. There were still a couple players like Brian Edwards that slid and a few players you know, on day three that could maybe make some noise in the NFL. But I don't think it was quite as amazing as it was being billed. Yeah, I hear you. And it's interesting because I'm looking at both right next to each other. I'm on drafthistory.com with wide receivers up. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's funny, leading up to the draft on this podcast and especially on my Steelers show, I said a million times, boy, teams are going to be sitting there in the fifth round looking at the board going, there's a receiver with a third round grade. We got to grab him. I don't think that happened. I think they got scooped up. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, 15 or 13 receivers went in the top two rounds. And I'm looking at those round three guys and beyond besides Brian Edwards. I'm not really excited about any of them, you know? So even like LaVisca Chenault, who I'm really excited about lands in Jacksonville. I don't know that that's promising for his future. You know, I think Ayuk going to your Niners and Pittman going to the Colts are really favorable landing spots. Um, but is Hamler going to get forgotten? Will Claypool get forgotten? Will Jefferson get forgotten? You know, I mean, there's a lot of people in front of those guys. Have you had some chance to think about the top wide receiving groups in the NFL right now? A little. I was kind of kicking around the back of my head as we were thinking this. Let's do this quick exercise. Okay. Who's your favorite receiving core, not tight end, in each division? And I'll, I'll, I'll start it off here. I think the Bills in the East. The Bills now in the East is with what they have. I, I could see that. Yeah, I have no problem with that one. There's not yep. a lot going on with a lot of the other clubs there, obviously, right. which, which helps right. the Bills out. Right, it's not much competition. Yeah. Jets um, are probably two, even. Um, in the North... I think I'm going to go with the Bengals, but I feel like that's a little bit of a slap to Odell Beckham, yeah. but they don't have a third guy in Cleveland. I would still have to say Browns. I mean, I, Higgins, yeah. Boyd, Green. I'm fine with Higgins as a as a three. I, I've always liked Ross. Higgins. I liked him coming out. Um, and with Odell and Jarvis, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Browns there. Okay. I'm going to yeah. go Cincy, but I think there's a good conversation. There's four versus two, and... They may even have the best. They have the best one. I still think Odell's elite. The South, uh, um, I guess the Colts, maybe Houston. I mean, if you go Cook, Stills, Fuller, QT, at least they got five, four capable ones that are explosive. I think Corey Davis and AJ Green aren't in the conversation. I mean, Chark and Chenault are okay. There's not one there that jumps out. I mean, I love Pittman. Pittman, I'm big on Campbell, and you throw a healthy T.Y. Hilton in there. I guess I'll go the Colts. Yeah, I think I would edge Colts, and I think I'd still take the Titans group would over you? over Houston's now without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, the more I talk through it, A.J. Brown might be the best receiver in that division. Right, yeah. So yeah. I'll take that. I'll take the youth in the top. And I still think that... Corey Davis is, is pretty good. He didn't get his fifth year right. option picked up, obviously, and he's expensive, I think, is why. Maybe if he was a late first, they would have picked that one up. And uh, I don't think he's done. And we'll see, you know, if he sticks there uh, or if he ends up somewhere else. I think there will be a market for him next offseason, though. No, I, I hear you. I mean, like, my favorite team could take him, and I'd be happy about it, you know? Right. Um, the West is all of a sudden kind of loaded, but it has right. to be the Chiefs. It has to be the Chiefs, but I do like what the Broncos have going on there. Yeah, and the Raiders added guys, too. And the Raiders, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Allen and Williams aren't so bad in L.A. either. 
Um, NFC East, I can't give. I, I think it has to Cowboys. be Dallas. Yeah, it has to be the Cowboys now. Adding CD Lamb to that yeah. group, absolutely, absolutely. That might be the close North. to number one in the NFL. That might be number now. one. Yeah, of uh, the ones we talked about right, so far, it's Kansas City and Dallas for me fighting for the one spot. In yeah, my head. I'll, I'll accept that. Um, NFC North, nah. I think I'll go the Lions. I don't know. They're all the, they might all get the same grade. Yeah. They all kind of have like Alan Robinson. Yeah. They have a guy and then Allen some question marks. Good. Yeah, exactly. Like Galladay's good. Jones is good. Amendola's does his, his role. Adams is great. The rest of the guys. Bleh. I love Alan Robinson. I think Miller's a breakout guy. They have some other dudes that are okay. And who am I forgetting in there? Oh, the Vikes have two guys, but Vikings, one yeah. of them's a rookie and a question mark. So right. I'm going to go with the Lions barely, but they're not in the conversation. Vikings got worse. Uh, I'll take Lions, too, in that group. Okay. And please, and, Allen Robinson. Can we get Allen Robinson a quarterback for once in his career? Oh, uh, he made Christian Hackenberg <laughs> look good, going back to it's 10 insane. years ago. Can you imagine? Hacken, he goes Hackenberg, to Bortles, to Trubisky. I mean, that's right. Rough. And he's begging for the upgrade in Foles. You know, like, come on, man. It's his own fault. He signed in Chicago. <laughs> he had, I mean, he didn't have a chance until Chicago. Right. right. NFC South is as good as the AFC West to me. I mean, I think Carolina's got a group. I know the Saints have a good pair now. Oh, Buccaneers. The, yeah. Tampa Falcons Bay. have a good pair. I think I'm going to go with Tampa, though. Got to go Tampa. I think Tampa competes for maybe the top spot yeah. just with Evans and Goodwin alone adding Tyler Johnson's going to work out of the slot you know and we're not talking mm -hmm. tight ends obviously which maybe would make them a slam dunk there uh, with a three-headed monster they still have by the way didn't trade any of their tight ends during the draft right, right. Um, yeah I think they're in the conversation with Dallas and Kansas City and, and New the Orleans West. New Orleans adding Emmanuel right, Sanders Sanders. by the way was was pretty big too I think Thomas is number one I mean if I had to rank all the receivers I think he's the best receiver in the league right now Wow. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not right. going to fight you on that one. Uh, NFC right. West. We talked about Metcalf, and you pair him with Lockett. Yeah. That's pretty scary. I like them. I'd probably put them too, though, behind the Cardinals. Now you got Larry Legend still. Yeah. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, a bunch of young guys that are still developing that could prove to be breakout candidates this year. Kirk has already shown a little something. Hakeem Butler had a lost season, kind of like what we talked about with Jalen Hurd earlier. So I might take them number one, actually. Overall period in the whole league? No, 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 just in the division, in the division, yeah. Yeah, I think they're one in the division. The Rams and Niners aren't bad, though. I mean, they're not right. bottom feeders. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Hopkins carries a lot of weight there. And Larry's still good. So I'm going to go – I'm still Chiefs versus Cowboys for number one. Chiefs, Cowboys, Bucks. That's the top three, right? Yeah, I wish the Bucks had a better third. Right, no, yeah, I agree. Pair. I agree. So pretty strong. Yeah, not bad. We did it. Okay, cool. Uh, when we come back, more <laughs> <laughs> enough wide receivers, more Twitter Thursday next. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called the Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for May. Then, anytime in May, post a picture of your Mother's Day recipient holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to 
Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Matt, this one might come from someone that is either related to you or you know very well or you paid to tweet this. This is from Adam Crowley. He says, Matt, what's it like to be devilishly handsome and also such a football savant? Yeah, he's a local radio guy that we do a lot. I'm a, I'm a regular on his show. He's got drive time. He's a good dude. He actually, ha we went to the same high school, which is total coincidence. He's a lot younger than me. Just had a baby. Adam's a good dude. Coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, actually, I hooked him up with the job. He was the first ever host of Locked on Steelers. And then he's got too busy around here and had to give it up. So oh. there's a little connection there. Okay. But he was buttering me up. And then he sent me a text a minute later saying, hey, can you come on the air with me today? 520. I'm like, ah, all right. He said nice things. <laughs> <laughs> a verified account called you devilishly handsome on Twitter. You have to you have to go on the show now. Absolutely. And yeah. Adam and I have had quite a few beverages at training camp and whatnot, too. He's a good dude. George wants to know, Dallas, who we just talked about their wide receiver group, he said, seems to have great luck with quarterbacks without investing high picks in the position. Romo, undrafted free agent, Dak, fourth round pick. They've had good, great quarterbacks all throughout their history, while some teams have never had even one. Is this a skill? Sort of. I mean, there's vast amounts of luck involved, mm -hmm. obviously. But they're structured like no one else. I mean, their owner is their GM. So it's not like the GM loves a guy and he has to go clear it with the owner and the owner's like, well, you used a first-round pick on this quarterback last year. you got to play him. So there's a, a link that's gone in the chain of command, I think, that helps, you know, matters. But, you know, again, a lot of it comes down to luck. I mean, they didn't look – it's much like the Patriots. They didn't look at Brady and Dak and say – these guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks. I'll wait to the fourth and sixth round to get them. I mean, all reports were they were in love with Manziel. They were in love with Paxton Lynch. They were in love with uh, Cook, the Michigan State dude. And they had really high grades on those three guys over that course, of those, that year or two worth of drafts and just didn't happen to fall into them. So that could have gone vast, vastly different. But I think there is a, a skill... Skill might not be the right word, but to have ownership stamp, hey, we're going to play Romo over Bledsoe. Hey, we're going to play Dak over Romo. You know, like a lot of organizations wouldn't have had that door even open. I think organizational philosophy of they're trying to find a quarterback, and I, I think there is some talent to it. There's obviously a whole bunch of luck, and there's consistency in the front office, I think, which is pretty key. So... You don't have like a new GM, new scheme all of a sudden, and then the, the this GM or the GM that's here now didn't draft the guy who's the quarterback now, so they're constantly turning things over and turning things over. Yeah. So stability, I think, is maybe part of that. Yeah, I think you're right, too. And from what I understand, like Parcells pushed hard for Romo, and Parcells carries some weight. You right, know? yeah. <laughs> Literally. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> uh, hope Bill Parcells is doing okay during the uh, quarantine. Mm-hmm. Tyler says, are there any prospects drafted over the past few seasons that you were really high on that ended up busting? Tyler says he thought Corey Coleman was going to be the next OBJ. Wow. I'll throw went out there. I really liked Jordan Matthews coming out. And he had some nice seasons early on with the Eagles. 
and um, and then kind of got injured, and then his career sort of fallen off a little bit. I just like the size speed combo. He ran four fours at the combine, ran after the catch. I thought he had he was a high uh, work ethic guy, so I thought he was a high upside, high floor guy. And it turns out that, you know, just a little bit sluggish in and out of his breaks now. He was a slot-only guy. And, you know, you learn from from that kind of a thing. You know, do you remember uh, who was the running back for the, that the Giants drafted in the fourth round like five, six years ago? Um, like Andre Williams? Andre Williams, yes. Andre Williams is what I learned a big lesson with Andre Williams. I loved him in college because he was so powerful but also really fast. But he was so stiff. And it was like, yes. okay, you can't be that stiff in the NFL and have a big time career. And it was, and it was basically like he was catching the ball as if his hands were taped up too. So he had rocks for hands, which was, um, you know, just you, you learn some lessons when you, when you miss on guys. And then there was another guy who was the opposite of that Ryan Motes, who I loved coming out of Louisiana tech. And I thought, you know, he was Barry Sanders light and, um, and he was the opposite. He just wasn't big or thick enough to, to carry a load and, and have a big role in the NFL. And he wanted to beat everybody with quickness and, and juke everybody. And you can't do that in the NFL either. No, yeah, those are good ones. And, but they're not early picks. Right. Like I'm actually at still on drafthistory.com and I'm just kind of pulling up top tens year after year. I was really high on Kevin White. I watched him a lot at West Virginia and yeah. he had some injuries and um, I'm not going to totally blame myself that I missed that one, but big, fast, really good after the catch. I think just about any year he would have gone pretty high. Um, a name that's popped up a lot lately that I was pretty high on coming out of the draft was Deshaun Kaiser. And I'm not going to, he, he is a bust. I mean, he's, he's officially unemployed right now, but boy, did I feel bad for him the way that Hugh Jackson, you know, jerked him around his rookie year. Like, he, they did nothing to, you know, grow that flower at all. I mean, so that didn't help, but he hasn't helped himself either, obviously. That's the problem with evaluating, too, is you can be right about a prospect and then they can be in the worst possible landing spot or they could yeah. get hurt and that could derail their career. So there's a lot of ways that things can go bad, even if you have the evaluation pretty much right. Yeah, and I'm not saying I know more than anybody else. I'm just scanning these first rounds in the last, in, in kind of like this 2004 to 2006 neighborhood. And I'm not seeing a name that's just blowing me away of, wow, I missed on that guy. Here's one that everyone in the world missed on, including me. Jonathan Cooper, guard, North Carolina yeah. to the Cardinals at seventh pick overall. He looked like the safest guy in the world and a pro bowler from day one. Yeah, especially when you expect a guard to be like, oh, okay, this is a mm -hmm. slam dunk, and you draft a guard top ten, he better be a slam dunk. And yeah, that was a big, that was a big whiff by everybody. That was a big whiff by everyone. Here, here's one that is a my year with the Browns story is remember Matt Jones who went to the Jags. Oh yeah, Ar yeah. Arkansas quarterback turned wide receiver may have been. May have liked a powder a yes, little more than he should have. A, a certain substance maybe was was his problem. Six five ran four three. We loved him, and I watched him. I, I would, you know, me and my buddy James had nothing else to do. We didn't have any family, so we'd sit there and eat ice cream or whatever till midnight, just watching prospects. The two of us, and we loved Matt Jones, and the Browns loved Matt Jones. And we took Braylon Edwards third overall, so we weren't going to take a receiver. He went early second round, but we had like a mid-first round grade on him, and I thought he was going to change the world. Didn't. A couple more real quick here, Matt. Did you have any favorite undrafted free agent signings in this year's NFL draft? Mm, no. <laughs> 
I will say for, um, for the for I, the for the 49ers and the way Shanahan can groom running backs and we've seen undrafted free agents Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert have success with the 49ers. The next guy, I'm going to throw this name out there, Jamichael Hasty out of Baylor. Yeah. About 5'8", 205. Reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, who am I forgetting? The guy that, that Shanahan had success with in Atlanta, who just... Not just, Coleman or Freeman. Uh, Freeman. He reminds me a little oh, bit okay. of Freeman. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Freeman. I can see that. Dante Freeman, yeah. Um, and, and absurd agilities. He had a 90 spark score, ran 4'5". If you're looking for a sneaky, deep dynasty pick there, Jamichael Hasty, 49ers undrafted free agent, might sneak in as the fourth running back, and then you know how running back situations go with injuries around the league, and he might get a chance to uh, play a little bit for the Niners. That's definitely a good one, especially that situation, because is Tevin Coleman entrenched? Uh, you know, is somebody that you can 100% count on? Uh, obviously, Mostert is you know really looking good right now, but I don't know that he's an every-down guy. He runs so hard. Yeah, um, they traded away Brita. They traded away yeah, Brita, and right. Coleman's a little expensive. If he's not the number one guy, I think he's this is probably going to be the last year for him. Anyway, Jeffrey Wilson, I think they like him. He's a bigger back, a little bit different. Uh, Hasty can catch too, so he's got a, a way to get on the field. Maybe as a special teams guy, a third down type of of back. So just a name to to plant in the back of your memory. Good one. Um, I also this is kind of a broader you know group of names, but I'm curious what the the XFLers are going to look like in the NFL. And I wish they were coming to the league with a little more time to prove themselves, but I bet two or three of them hit and end up being more than just roster guys that end up starting and reviving their career. How about this one for a fantasy football deep dynasty pick undrafted free agent out of Washington tight end Hunter Bryant. Do you have any information yeah, on why he fell? He was looking like a fourth round pick fell completely out of the draft. I know injuries might be part of that and he's not very big. He's only, you know, six, two and a half and, and 240 something pounds. I think it was injury red flags because he's a good football player and teams don't kill you for being 240 anymore. And that's not even necessarily small. Although I think he put weight on to look good at the combine. I think he really plays at like 232. You know what I mean? Right. Just a pumped up wide receiver, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I think he went to but was productive. I don't even know where he signed. Was it Detroit? The Lions, maybe? I'm not positive on that one. I'll look into it though, because he's he still has a chance. I mean, like your your team picks up a brand name dude like that that has injury issues, put him on the practice squad for a year, that could pay off. Detroit Lions, yeah, they picked up Hunter hmm, Bryant spot. after the draft. So good one. Uh, real quick, I want to end with this. This is our friend me. He said, "I loved your conversations with Mike Sando." Will he ever be back? Uh, yes, I, I miss talking to Mike Sando. I think we should get him Love on Sando. sometime soon. Yeah, so yeah, we'll well, definitely I, reach out. I will reach out. Sando's awesome. Um, I just was digging into his latest article on The Athletic. He does, any, any of you that have listened, you know he's very dialed into executives and people in the league. Well, his latest article on The Athletic is all 32 teams with a ton of quotes and impressions of their draft class from oh. people within the league. So uh, Sando's the man. Oh, we got to get him on soon because I want to hear about that article. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's so great. dialed in. I love hearing his quotes, and uh, he's got great access to executives and GMs around the league. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a real-class act, too. All right. Tomorrow, Matt Williamson's top 10 defensive units in the NFL, and we'll go over... The NFL schedule release for 2020 right here, Locked on NFL.